been a minute since I spoke to you, so yeah, I got like four or five messages stirred up into one, so I'm going to try to figure out which one I want to go after this morning, but we've been on this theme about hunger, and the Lord just said, stay there. Stay there for a moment, stay there for a season, stay there for a month. I don't know what we got to do, but God's calling us to be some hungry people, and he loves hungry people, and he feeds hungry people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I just want to thank you very much for praying for Colby last week. If you guys were here last week, we kind of discussed uh, my stepson, his son's going through um, some, some seizures, some epilepsy, some other medical conditions. And, you know, I, at one point, I almost kind of, you know, lost hunger for that, you know. He was on my prayer wall, you know, he was praying, we fasted, we did scriptures. But, you know, if the results aren't coming, it's not on God's end, it's on ours. So if we're not seeing what we're supposed to be seeing, we've got to shift maybe how we pray. Shift how we see circumstances, move in a direction maybe we haven't thought of, maybe be led by the Holy Spirit. And I remember it was late at night, and my wife says, <clears throat> I think you're feeling discouraged on this issue and some other issues. And I said, yeah, maybe I guess I am. And she's, I think we need the church to pray for him. And so we came Sunday, and the church agreed, and he was up here. We prayed for him. We kind of, it was that, that weekend that he was in the hospital for, what was it, honey, 40, 48 hours or something like that. Suffered about a dozen plus seizures in, in that time frame. And, you know, we brought him up here and we prayed. And <clears throat> something about the prayers of the saints availeth much because this last week he had two. Prior to that week, he probably had about 30. I'll praise him up here by myself if you don't want to join me. Is anything too difficult for our God? You know, so when circumstances happen to the preacher or the pastor who's ever going to be up out of, behind the pulpit, sometimes we start preaching where God's revealing truth. So I want to stay on hunger, but I want to stay hunger, but my title is Hunger for Results. Sometimes I get too irritated sometimes when I hear people say, you know, they bring up a circumstance and say, I'll, I'll, I'll be praying about that. Have times we've been too complacent maybe about answered prayers and maybe we, we say this many times, you know, God's going to win the war, but sometimes we lose those battles. You know, in Scripture, the only time we really lost battles was with unbelief and with doubt and with complaining. Is God's will for us to ever win battles, lose battles, sorry? So we're going to go after this morning the battles, not just the war. As long as you're alive on this earth, you're going to have a battle. Come on. So that's the truth from Jesus. Jesus told us all about that. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. We're going to go through stuff. <clears throat> and I, I, I contemplated this thing. You know, sometimes if you read the Word of God, I love the Word of God, and sometimes things look like they, like, contradict each other. Have you ever noticed that? Like, some things. And until you dive deep, you don't really always get it. <clears throat> I know we just came off a of Thanksgiving um, lunch, and... I'm the partaker, you know, I'm not the, the maker, I guess. But in some of these meals, there's like, you know, 20-some ingredients. But the interesting thing about this is, like, if you take one ingredient and just eat that, it doesn't taste good. One might be sour, one might be bitter, one might be spicy, one might be bland. But it's something like the Word of God. If you don't read all of it and all of its context, 
separate, it might not look good. God looks like a little mean, harsh God in this passage, but he looks loving over here. And I'm just, and this thing, when you put it together, it's like a Thanksgiving dinner, right? When the ingredients all come together, doesn't it taste that much better? So I had these two words, how can you be hungry at the same time be satisfied? Because the Bible says, be content in all your ways, be satisfied. But at the same time, how can you be hungry? But if you put these two words together, it's beautiful. You know, naturally speaking, when we're hungry, what do we do? We, we eat. Spiritually, in the kingdom of God, to grow spiritually is hunger. So what is satisf- satisfaction is just hunger after Jesus. When you stop being hungry, you stop being satisfied. And you start turning what, towards whatever the world has to offer. So could it be if you're tempted by what world throws to you, the music that the world throws to you, maybe if you're still lying and you're walking in deceit and you're just after movies and television shows that you really shouldn't be watching, could it be that you lost your hunger? Hunger and satisfied actually work well together. And I want to talk this morning about hungering for results and I like to go back to some of those old school preachers, you know, from the 1800s, those 1900s evangelists. They figured out some things back in the day going through life. And um, Kenneth Hagin is the one I've been following. There's uh, George Mueller, some of those other names. But I was actually offended almost at a quote from Ken Hagin. And he, he said this. He said, since I've learned to pray, I have never had one prayer unanswered. Naturally speaking, that looks kind of arrogant. <laughs> it looks kind of arrogant. I mean, whew. Lord said amen to that. Am I still on? Lose battery already. Check, check. One, two. Okay. Test. Okay. So in other words, in an example, he was saying, I get results. And every time he released his faith in prayer, he expected a result. I believe church now is the hour that we have to come back to a place where we are not, not okay with simply just moving on to the next thing. <clears throat> well, Colby's just going to have to live with his seizures for the rest of his life. He pulled the short straw. That's how God had designed him. You know, he's going to have to suffer, and this is how it is. But look, we got heaven on the other side. Woo, we can preach we're going to be healed. There's no more pain, so let's just wait that 80, 90 years. See, the Bible says everything that pertains to life and godliness is available to us now. You know, there's a little dude by the name of Zacchaeus, you know. He wanted to see Jesus so bad, but he had to hunger for it. He was four foot nothing. There was people about five, six feet, and he couldn't see Jesus over all these tall individuals. He could have turned around, he could have, went, could have went home and said, I'm not seeing Jesus today, but what did he do? He climbed a tree so he could go after Jesus. The interesting thing about that story is God saw him. It never says in the scriptures that Zacchaeus finally saw Jesus. It said Jesus turned and saw Zacchaeus. Do you know he sees everything that you're going through? Abraham, Sarah, same, same thing. They, were, they wanted to have a child. They had this promise, and they were really old, 80s, 90s, and 100s. And after they had this promised child, Sarah said, you are my God, the God who sees me. 
God's seeing every area, every intricate detail of your life. I want to talk this morning about Bible faith. I want to talk about hunger for results with that kind of no-quit attitude. We're supposed to see these things, and I'm telling you, we're not going to let go until we see the manifestation of our prayers. Come on, someone say amen to that. All right, 1800s was a man by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller, 1800s, and I just recently heard this story about this evangelist. He was well known for um, running orphanages and um, bringing the homeless in and, and feeding them like supernaturally. Now, he did a lot of signs and miracles and wonders by God, but this was kind of his avenue. This is where he was graced to do. And, and um, something about this George Mueller says, through the faith and prayers, watch this now, and without asking for money ever, he had the privilege of carrying over 120,000 orphanage children and being able to provide throughout his life. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating if we come behind a pulpit and say, hey, pay your tithes and offerings. But if God's all hands on it, then he will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. So in other words, we don't need to be out there begging. God already has the desire to provide. Amen. And interesting enough that he had what's called a prayer wall. Many have heard what a prayer wall is. And he had this in his prayer closet, and he would put it up um, on his wall, and it was a decent size. And he had his prayers that he would stamp up on them every time God would put somebody on his heart or he wanted to pray for somebody. He prayed over that daily and did not let the prayer come off the wall until he saw the result. (laughs) Sometimes it says he would call out prayers for weeks and months and years, but he wouldn't stop going after it. Like it wasn't it wasn't like a they said it wasn't like a continual prayer of the request because when we ask God, he immediately has the answer. So the result is on our part. So after he prayed for a certain circumstance, he would move and shift that into a prayer of thanksgiving, praising him in advance before the prayer was manifested. And I believe that's what we, where we stop. We pray, but we forget the thanksgiving. We forget to cultivate what we've prayed. And, prayed. and sometimes if that hasn't got off our list in our mind, we say, well, let's just go on to the next one. I want to talk this morning more about the purpose, praying purposefully. Watch this scripture. We can put this up, Anthony. That'd be great. Isaiah 43, 26. And I'll get out of the way if I'm blocking. God speaking, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. I love how we we co-labor with God. This is awesome. Declare thou, King James Version, thou thou mayest be justified. Take a look at this. Put me in remembrance isn't that funny? God has a bad memory? No. <laughs> Why? Why does God say this? It's not that God forgets his word. He already, know what he already knows what he has said. But he wants to make sure that you remember what he said. We're not necessarily begging God to move. He already moved 2,000 years ago. He's asking us to put it in remembrance so we get it not just up here on just a once and done type thing. He wants us to get so sown deep into the inner man that no devil in hell is ever going to be able to take it and steal it out. Right? 
Come on, somebody. The moment we move in faith, I promise you, God sees you, just like he saw Sarah, just like he saw Zacchaeus, just like he saw, was it um, Nathaniel under the tree. Before you made any kind of request, before I even came up and physically saw you, God said, I already seen you. So first one, if you want to write it down, you can pray on purpose, purposeful prayers. No longer can we do the haphazard ones. I'll be praying for you. I hope this works out for you. If you're going to commit to praying, I believe we should put it up on our prayer roll and not let it go until we see results. We have a devil. John 10.10 comes to kill, steal, and what? Destroy. Second one, steal. It's not necessary in the context. It's talking about taking your wallet and stealing your money, though he wants to do that. It's not necessary in context talking about stealing your health, and the devil wants to do that. The word steal there is the same word used in the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower, one portion of it, when when God sows the word, when you get a word maybe about healing or your finances, the devil instantly wants to steal the word. He works overtime to steal that which was on the inside of you. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word. Promise you, devil's working OT to get the word on the outside of you. Have you ever had a thought or a scripture come to mind and you're like... Yeah, I heard this scripture before. Yeah, I tried that before and it didn't work. That is the devil whispering in your ears saying, is trying to be a thief and steal the word from the inside. Are you getting that this morning? Faith is a living thing. Come back to a place where you're hungry for the results. Pray on purpose, not haphazard. I believe we can do a couple things. We can... Either speed up the answer, slow it down, or we can simply void it altogether. <clears throat> I promise you that the answer and the result is never going to be on our end. It's always going to be on our end. So excuse me, it's not going to be on God's end. God's not messing up. God's word isn't true. It's promises, and its promises are yes and Amen. I believe the manifestation or the results come faster when the word is deeply rooted on the inside of them. James chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. I want to dive into this one really quick. Verse 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by by the winds. Doubt is a huge key factor of seeing your prayers manifested. Doubt and unbelief, offense, grumbling and complaining. <clears throat> but I thought, Lord, you know, you need to reveal something to me because I think like probably everybody in this room at some point in time had a prayer that, you know, the enemy kind of... Got a, got a foothold and you have some type of like doubt or just a small like unbelief. Like maybe this won't work. Maybe my prayer won't be manifest. Come on, can anybody be honest this morning? So I said, look, how can we diminish this unbelief and how can we increase the faith, increase our faith? And, you know, I was having this conversation with the Lord and he revealed something to me. And I said, Lord, how do we muzzle or how do we shut up unbelief? And this is powerful. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Like I just said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. In other words, increasing your faith has to automatically decrease your unbelief. 
There's a story in Mark chapter 9, we don't have to turn there, but there was this father who had this boy that was suffering um, with demonic spirits, with, 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 um, and he was having troubles week after week, and the father didn't know what to do. At times, this young boy would throw himself into the fire, and, and um, this father was reaching his wits end, you know, he had enough, and he went up to Jesus and said to him, <clears throat> Jesus said to him, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believe. Verse 24, this is what I want us to see. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So here's a key here. We got to demolish the unbelief. Like I said earlier, the cold prayers of the saints availeth much. Why is it when Jesus was in the wilderness all by himself, praying and fasting, he comes back out of the wilderness and his disciples have this question. You know, I said this uh, a few years ago, but I thought, like, my question to Jesus would have been, how do you do all these miracles? My question to Jesus was, how, Jesus, did you raise the dead? Or how, Lord, can um, you multiply all these fish and loaves? And how do you do that? But that's not what the disciples asked. The disciples said, teach us to pray. And that was the only question they asked. Out of all the questions you could ask, it was teach us to pray. So your faith can dictate the God speed of an answered prayer. Have we ever had these questions, God, why are you taking so long? <laughs> Let's hurry it up here. Uh, <clears throat> don't have a, this is very important to me, you know. And then, you know, what the devil says, you know, he, that your God is not that, not that worried about your intricate details of your life, right? What is he trying to do? Steal every word that's on the inside of you that says uh, whatever pertains to life and godliness is already available to us. What he did 2,000 years ago is already available to us. Today, we don't have to wait till we pass on into glory. <clears throat> I want to say if God directs you to a scripture pertaining to your circumstance, that is really important. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Like we don't have to be memorizing the book of Revelation or when Jesus returns if you have absolute chaos going on in your life. If you need a healing manifestation, we don't have to worry about what happened at Noah's flood. What we need to do is start getting into some scriptures that pertain to what's going on in our life. Come on, if we don't have five to seven plus scriptures pertaining on every circumstance, come on, if your kids are acting a fool, if you have health issues going on in your body, if your finances are all a whack, <clears throat> we need to have communion with the Holy Spirit and he'll reveal the scripture. Well, I'm thinking about buying this vehicle, but my finances are good, but, but, but the salesman said, just I can make one easy payment a month at $900 a month, and if I do that, but if we don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that says the borrower is slave to the lender, we might not put ourselves in shambles that we weren't ever supposed to do. Sometimes we too often blame God, but, but uh, we have to look inward and say, how is our relationship with the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> David meditated on the word daily. He had some stuff to complain about, and he did. <laughs> but he says, great are your ways and your statues and your steadfast love. I wonder how many times David had to repeat that self to him, and got it on the inside of it, that God actually cares about me and he loves me. So no weapon formed against me is going to prosper because I know who my God is. And I know who the devil is. And I know they haven't traded places. <laughs> I 
<clears throat> so if you, if you want to do, highly recommended is to do this prayer wall. Highly recommended is to take prayer seriously. Highly recommended is to get some verses and chew them up like you never chewed them up before. When we get our hearts, and we get our uh, hearts turned to the Lord, and we get the words so deep in us, in our innermost being, we couldn't even doubt if we wanted to. Do you see how they're working hand in hand? There's a Roman speaker by the name of Nancy Dupree said this, says, it's not about the quantity of scriptures you get into your spirit. It's about the revelation of that scripture. Do you realize that the priests and the scribes in Bible times memorized scriptures to like they were blue in the face? Do you guys know what the Torah is? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. By the age of 13, most of them were called to memorize that. And it was those very same people that did not recognize Jesus when he walked the earth. They had no clue in it. They had quantity, but they didn't have revelation. I'm all about memorizing scripture. But when you get revelation, that's what caused the devil to tremble on his knees. Because right after revelation becomes results. <laughs> Me and my mom hung out this week. She helped me drive um, a long distance, actually. Thank her for, she drove me three, like three hours up north for a job, and it was great. And we were, you know, after I woke up, we began to talk the whole way down. <laughs> she wanted to talk immediately. And I'm so used to that, because I have a four-year-old that wakes up at 6.30 in the morning and never stops talking until he goes to bed. So I said, give me one an hour, probably cranky. I was like, give me at least an hour. Shh. You know, she was praying in tongues, worshiping the Lord. It's like, Ooh. Okay. Two hours, hour and a half of the drive, and then I said, yeah, I get up, I had my uh, coffee in me, so when we start talking. I get to my job, I do my job, a couple hours goes by, we get back in the car, and it's like, here's what we do when we get together, when she comes up from Florida, we got, we got to stop at the sheets. <laughs> I'm a sheep's fiend, I'd probably give them $30,000 a year of my money, but... <laughs> but sheets has this, this sauce that we both love, and it's called Boom Boom Sauce. Anybody know what that is? Do you guys, anybody... You guys got to go order it after you leave church today. But anyway, it has a little spice to it. If you go to Rudder's, it's called Bada Bing Sauce. But anyway, now y'all going to do it. But anyway, as soon as we ordered these wraps, we didn't talk. We were so in love with our wraps, we kept chewing on them, you know, munching, making weird eating noises. We didn't care. We didn't annoy each other. We were so laser focused on these wraps and this sauce that we got that we could care less of <laughs> We could care less about what anyone else had to say. We could care less what was on the radio. We could care less what looks like truth in the natural. Are you guys seeing this? Chewing on the word of God actually shifts your perspective on truth. <laughs> Watch this scripture. Turn with me here. John fifteen seven. <clears throat> my words abide in you, you shall ask anything in my name, and it will be done for you. If you remain in my words, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was flesh, and became God. Jesus is the word. If you remain in the word, and the word remains where? 
we got a part to play, right? Remain in him, remain, the word remains in us. Then a byproduct that has to be results. That's why I said, if I, if I bring any kind of circumstance, let's say, let's say it's lack. If you can't, this is no condemnation. If you can't bring me back five scriptures that have to do with lack, then we're missing it. There might be some things that aren't rooted on the inside of you. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. There's one. We don't just read it and then put it on the shelf. It's my God, my God, shall supply, it's still up here, all, some, just some, all of my needs according to his glory. My God shall supply, my God shall supply, my God shall supply, my God shall supply, my God shall supply. It's, do, you under, do you see what I'm saying? Now no devil in hell is ever going to be able to pluck out which, that, which is rooted in you. So now think, think, take, take 30 seconds. Think of what's going on in your world right now. Can you, can you blurt out a few scriptures? Put them in your phone now. Put them up on your prayer wall now. And watch what happens when we not just say it one time and, and forget about it and hope God will show up on the scene. Watch what happens when we chew on it and when we meditate on it like never before. Come on, I, I'm hungry for results. I'm over, uh, well, it is what it is. That's just life. Jeremiah 15, 16. Watch this now. Jeremiah's the man. Actually, when he wrote this, he was a little boy. Go figure that the, the kids get revelations sometimes quicker than the adults. <laughs> when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. The word should be fun. It should be happy. There are promises that are available to us. We should be smiling every time we see something that pertains to our circumstances. That's a promise from our Father that we can now have manifested today. Come on, that's joyous. That's happy. I mean, we don't have to be sick, downtrodden, depressed, oppressed every single day of our life. We got to start being hungry for results because it's available to us, right? Now. Come on, I can even learn something from my four-year-old. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. He asks for stuff the moment he wakes up until he goes to bed. <laughs> now, if I'm God, I'd be like, oh, that's annoying, but God actually loves it. <laughs> Isn't that a powerful scripture? You ain't having it in your life because you ain't asking for it. So ask about everything. Ask about what you should be wearing in the morning, what car you should be driving, who your friend should be, what house, what neighborhood, what school your, your kids should be in. Ask about, be so obnoxiously annoying to God, and that puts a big old smile on his face. He loves it. Oh, my children, coming back to me finally, finally. Jerusalem did that once where they ignored God, and, he said, and the scripture always is in my heart. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you would just come back to me so I can bide under the shadow of my wings like a hen does to his hatchlings. It's this desperation that God has. It says, I got all these answered prayers in heaven so available to you, but no one wants them. No one's coming after them. No one's praying. And they're just sitting up there in heavenly places. All available to everyone that's in here. And <clears throat> I'd like to suggest to you this scripture you have not because you ask not. Lack of prayer produces lack. Yeah. 
Lack shows up on the scene where a prayer life is void. Are you hearing me this morning? Wow. Right before Jesus is going to go on the cross, he talks to his disciples and he says these words, pray that you don't fall into temptation. Could it be <clears throat> that a non-prayer life causes us to walk into trials and temptation that we were never graced to, to trial, never graced to overcome or never graced to endure? We might have been putting ourselves in situations that we were never supposed to be because of a prayerless life. Now, I'm not saying lack of prayer just like invites sin and sin and temptation and trials, but the thing is, God actually can put us into trials. But if God puts us into the trials, then we're graced to overcome it. Worship team, you can come. You can come. I felt like I had a word as far as, <clears throat> I think I want to take tithes and offerings right now because I, I feel it has something to do with what I just shared, and I'm going to do that. How about we mix it up a little bit? So prepare your hearts to, to give. I brought a basket up. Yeah, I'll use it. It's kind of a cheesy illustration, but we're going to do it. It's right under your honey. <laughs> So I talked earlier about when Jesus, you know, multiplied the fish and the loaves, briefly. He started feeding the people because they were hungry. The Bible actually says <clears throat> he fed 5,000 plus women and children. So if my math is correct, he fed 15,000. I think this happened two times in scripture, right? Mark and Matthew. And Jesus said to his disciples, if they go home, they could pass out and die because they're hungry. So Jesus recognized that they were hungry and he saw them and said, come back. I got something for you. <laughs> now there was probably 15,000 people, you know, with women and children. How does this one basket of a couple loaves and a couple of fish feed them? I mean, we know the story. <clears throat> But the interesting part of that is said, disciples, I want you to do it. I want you to feed the hungry people. All authority has been given to him. Freely given, you feel received. God's Jesus is saying in that moment, I've commissioned you to feed the hungry. And he said, disciples, I want you to take these people in groups. Twelve disciples, let's say all of them showed up and all of them partook. Oh, Mary, I need your help. 15,000 divided by 12-ish. 1,200,000, something? 1,250, 1,250. <laughs> we know who our scholar is in the church. 1,250, each disciple, their one basket. Jesus breaks, multiplies the fish, and puts fish and loaves in their one basket. Could this basket feed 1,200 people? 
<laughs> no, 30 maybe, 20 maybe. So it was the disciples' job to feed the hungry. But when they looked into their basket, that wasn't enough. But it took Bible faith to start distributing what was on the inside of their basket, having faith that God was going to supernaturally provide that which was getting empty. That is exactly how prayer works. That's exactly how the kingdom of God works. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over. I love this portion because it does pertain to being hungry. It does pertain to being prayerful. It does pertain to your faith because if they just kept, they would have only fed 30 people and they would have had a thousand some still hungry. Can we think about this this morning of God's principle? No, I'm not begging for money. You do what you want to do. God says he wants to have a cheerful giver. If you're not cheerfully giving this morning, stick it back in your pocket, seriously. That worked for George Mueller in the 1800s where he never had to beg for money, but God always supplied his needs, and it's going to happen for Hope City Church anyway. I just want you to partake, partake in this hunger, partake in this giving and the receiving and this distribution. It might take some faith, some Bible faith, but my God, shout, it was, it's already on the inside of you. That, that fact that you were just repeating that right now, it just got on the inside of you. The devil's mad as a hornet right now. I promise you. Come on, what are we doing with this, guys? Praying on purpose, guys. This is it. I ain't going, I, I'm telling you, prayer's going to go on my walls and I'm not going to let them go until I see results, whether this life or not that life. That George, you know, he prayed for somebody that was an absolute fool in his town and his community. He said this guy would go in and he would steal, he would swear, he would cause ruckus and be violent. But God said, put that guy on your wall. I promise you, you can look this up, I promise you. 50 years this evangelist prayed for this man did not see the results. God, you're not, your timing is way off. You're not showing up, he could have said, but he's on a regular basis. He said, I'm praying for this man. He's going to know Jesus. I'm praying that he's going to come back. And it says at George's funeral, this man caught wind that he was one of the many people that was on his prayer wall, came to his funeral and accepted Jesus. Whether we receive results in this time or the next time, God's not a God that he should lie. Father, for the word you sown into my heart, the hearts of those that are here. Thank you for results. Thank you, Father. You're good and you're only good. Thank you that we're going to have words. We're going to meditate on your word. And it's going to be so deep on the inside of us that we grab a hold of it and believe it until this day and to the next, until we cross over into eternity.
Father, help us by your Holy Spirit bring forth scriptures, bring forth time and meditation and a prayer wall. Those that are on our hearts, Father, just to go after this thing. No more complacency. It's time to see results. We're hunger and thirsting after righteousness. And the Bible says, Lord, you said you're going to draw all men unto us. This is just an open invitation. God, you're all about free will. You're not going to drag us into this thing. So we can choose to have a prayer life or not. But I, I sense, Lord God, you're drawing men unto you, to that secret place. We have to dedicate a room or a hallway or a closet to our prayer chambers and make a wall and say, we're going after this because this is my war room and I'm not letting it go. Angel, I'm not letting go until I get my blessing. Not getting letting go until I get my healing. Not letting go until I get breakthrough in my finances and at my job. Come on, somebody. If you believe it this morning, thank you, Jesus. If you agree, say amen to that.